Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Gersh and Kai. How are you doing, gentlemen? Great, great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks for having oh, us. It's so fa- Oh, my pleasure. We were chatting before Classic Calgary. We've met sometime in the past. We'll just go with that. It was definitely before COVID, but you know, more than not, not more than eight years ago, but not less than four, three years ago. And when I met you guys, you had a different, you're doing the same thing, I believe, but you've recently shifted the company name about six, eight months ago. So we're going to cut dive in. You guys are the co-CEOs and I want to talk about co-CEOing a little bit after. So I'm going to put a pin in that one, but you guys own Zeno. So I'm going to give it over to you guys. Jump in. Let's jump in the pitch elevator here and uh, you guys, many floors as you want. Tell us what uh, what's what's a Zeno? What do you guys do? And uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, so Zeno is a residential solar solutions company with a goal of installing solar on one million homes by 2040. How we do it is a little bit different, though. We believe in making sure that we're empowering the local cities that we operate in. So we aren't necessarily vertically integrated, but every aspect of providing a solar solution, a battery solution, or an electric vehicle charging solution, we manage all of that in-house. So that includes designers, engineers, installers, a maintenance team, marketing, sales, inside and out, pretty much you name it. If there's part of the process, we're going to have it internally. Okay, so solar battery right through to, right through to EV. And you, may, you, may, you mentioned municipalities. And where, where are you guys located? What's your footprint? Yeah, so we're located in Calgary, head office. Then we have an office in Edmonton as well. Okay. Okay. And are, do you work in, I think I was on your website, there looks like pictures, it looked like Canmore, just off the top, like my, if I was going to recognize my geography. So it, are you in also a lot of like so headquarters or you got, you, got, you got boots on the ground in those two environments, but are you doing a lot of work in smaller communities? The reason I'm asking also is smaller communities, you can get a little bit more connected to kind of, Calgary, it's a big machine, right? And you're not probably getting involved with council or having conversations with the local power provider. In those smaller communities that you're in, is does that conversation broaden out a little bit more? Yeah. And it's actually a different conversation in a lot of those smaller areas as well too because the cost of electricity can generally be higher because it's cost more to get the electricity out there based on the transmission and distribution lines so there is a major need for it even farm communities as well too so we do operate uh, mainly out of the 
the capital cities. I suppose we'll split it between Edmonton and Calgary. And then yeah. we serve the rest of Alberta with the goal of making sure that we touch every corner of the province to, to serve all the people that live here. Okay, that's a really good thing to think about is that at the end of the day, we're still dealing with a cost, right? And I'm assuming that recently, well, I, I know some friends that are very much into making these types of choices in their life for, for, for fundamental or for more, more their belief structures. But there's a real, like there's a reality right now. Energy is getting expensive. My electricity bill is going up on a regular basis. You're talking to people and I'm in the city. Like if I think I'm out in rural, that's going to be a big cost center. So are you guys seeing a shift or seeing more? Are you getting more inquiries because the price of like the economics of should I do solar or should I just stick with the normal grid? Is that, is that affecting your business right now or really pushing people to look at this as a bigger, as a, as a more viable option? Yeah, absolutely. When we, when we look at the viability of solar overall, it's generally focused on three specific areas, the technology, the environmental mechanism, and the cost the cost associated with going solar in relation to not going solar. That's the big equation that's always being, that the fi- that's what basically strokes the signatures to be able to say, hey, we want to do this. We know that environmentally it's a good thing to do. That conversation is, isn't as much of a major driving piece as it used to be because everybody's just accepted that reality. The other piece when it comes down to the financial side, you, you touched on something pretty interesting there where you said recently, um, the nice thing is we live in an awesome place where there's a lot of visibility in terms of what electricity costs are historically. What are the different mechanisms that drive up those costs? And I'm sure um, a lot of us remember the previous government. They put that price cap in at 6.8 cents. So that falsely held back the wave of electricity prices for a good period of time. So the cost of electricity has actually always been expensive for the last like 10 years, let's call it. But it was it was artificially suspended so that people that were living here could, you know, maintain a better lifestyle. It got pulled away with the current government, not saying that it's a bad thing, but now we're back into a free market approach. And now we're just seeing the not necessarily the consequences, but the reality of what the what the cost of electricity actually looks like in Alberta. Oh, I really appreciate that. I, did, I didn't know that, but I, now you're saying, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I was aware, but never really kind of stared at it long enough to realize the impact that that had. It created a bit of a false, a false belief or a false situation on what low acts like you know, uh, energy abundance and like, oh, it's it's low cost for everybody, which I appreciate that. But there's the reality of what things cost in the world. So oh, okay, that's a yeah, it's like shift. it's like living in Alberta on, P, <laughs> on PEDs, right? It's kind of nice, <laughs> but it's not necessarily effective in the long run. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. We're a free market. Um, talk to me about solar, the technology. The you know, again, you're like, oh, it's it's still not there yet. It's still it doesn't make itself viable from a cost perspective or the technology. It's so pricey and then it wears out. And what do you do with it? And how has that whole journey evolved? And you guys have been in it. I met you guys like five, six, seven years ago. You were in it then. Is it you know, is this kind of a Moore's law situation where every year it exponentially grows and augments on itself, or has it been stale and now we're we're into a period of evolution? Like when you get to the tech behind solar, how quickly is it evolving or not? So when we talk about the techno- technological side of solar, I wouldn't, it's still, it's still advancing, but not as rapidly as it used to. And what that's okay. governed by is the way that solar was analyzed from a growth perspective. Most people would think that solar was, would be analyzed from the perspective of how many watts can you fit into a single panel, right? And it, the way that it's actually governed is based on distribution. So there is a law, and I'm sorry to get technical here for the people listening. Is That's okay. That, no, I'm, I'm asked, I asked the question. Yeah, I asked the question. There's, there's something <laughs> called Swanson's Law, similar to Moore's Law where Moore's Law is for, you know, our smartphones, our laptops, things of that nature. Basically where ch- ch- Basically technology and chips, right? Yeah, the technology and tips. Yeah. Every time the technology doubles, the price generally halves. So if you, simple way of thinking about it, 
is if you have a piece of paper and you can fit 100 words on it in 2020 and it costs $100, in 2021 you should be able to fit 200, 200 words but it cost half the price. Those same principles apply to solar. Great metaphor. Thank you for that. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 always, made, it's always important to simplify these things. But um, solar is actually a little bit different. It's about distribution. Every time the distribution of solar doubled, the price would drop on an average by about, by about 20%. And that was really true until about 2016. And then the floor just fell out on solar. It was sitting, back then it was sitting probably anywhere around like 30, 40, 50 cents a watt for, to, manuf- to manufacture a solar panel. Now it's sitting at like, seven eight nine cents it's just bottomed out completely and that's because the solar panels that you're seeing in a lot of the a lot of the places around the world um there being uh, let's say a hundred thousand of them there's maybe two or three humans that ever see that solar panel across the manufacturing floor we're talking about full automation Uh, extremely high efficiencies things of that nature very very low failure rates so where we are seeing advancements in solar is in the installation side the ability for people to install faster, different methods of getting solar panels onto rooftops, accelerations in regulation. So for example, in the United States, they created a rapid permitting process in which anything that was a solar permit could get automatically approved within 48 hours, which is insanely fast. So you're talking about uh, a shift, not necessarily in the technology, but in the accessibility to the technology, both from a provider perspective and and a government perspective. Interesting. So I, I love the concept when you think even just customer centricity, how do you make it easier for your customer to do business with you? How do you remove friction from the whole process? And again, I can't help but ask, have you guys seen any negativity around like approval processes? Although sometimes when you're dealing with a city it can feel very arduous and long, but there's other reasons why, well, geez, they're there to protect 48 hour turnaround on let's throw some solar panels on this roof and maybe it's not up to spec or maybe it can't handle it. Have you seen any uh, blowback from just removing too much of taking the reins off too much? Yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be frank with you. There's a few companies that really know how to read the gray roll. We're one of them. And when you have regulations, it's not necessarily about just reading what's on the paper. It's about understanding what's not on the paper. And in Alberta, the beautiful part about the way that we function as a province, and there's other parts of Canada as well too, is that the regulations are set up for businesses to be able to function. The ones that understand the gray and function within that well are the ones that will continue pushing the industry forward. What I'm alluding to is we have installed solar on homes where the tolerance was higher than 100% in relation to the energy that was being used at the home. And that's just because of the way the regulations are written. Um, as we continue to do this, as we have continued to do this, um, the different regulators have said, hey guys, like, what's the reasoning behind this? We, we don't necessarily have an absolute number in here. We prefer to maintain a ratio. So what we're actually seeing, uh, Tyler, which is kind of interesting, is in individual regulators, uh, not necessarily regulars, energy companies that own the wireline, so we're talking about the NMAXs, the EPCORs, Fortises, mm-hmm. things of that nature, putting their foot down and saying, we don't want you to put more than 100% uh, of a solar system on your home. So basically, whatever solar you install has to be equivalent to the energy that you're using in the home. And they don't leave any wiggle room for somebody potentially buying an electric vehicle or maybe getting an air source heat pump, things of that nature. So they do cut it a little bit before they have an opportunity to really maximize that roof to, to its full capability. So you'll have people that have a 100% offset but only end up using about 20% of their roof. So we see a little bit of oddness there. But the nice thing about solar is it's all modular in design. So you can always expand down the road, but then that individual is having to incur, you know, truck roll and things of that nature. So it's not the most yeah. effective way, but it's still an opportunity to continue growing that system over time. 
And that limiting factor that you can only do X because it equates to Y, is that based on, I'm, I'm, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't make such a, what is that based on? Like, what, why are they being so disciplined? Or I know we're getting way, we're 10 minutes in and we're way down in the weeds. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I, you know, Kai has an excellent perspective on this. I'll, I'll touch on, I'll touch on the side of things when we're, when we're really leaning into the bigger picture. So if you take a look at the potential of solar at a global scale, companies like Zeno operating in places like Alberta have the potential to put more energy on the grid than an Edmax does or an Epcor does or whatever it is. And we've seen that a few times now in, in places in Europe, even Australia, where solar installation companies through decentralized rooftops are pushing more power into the grid at any given moment than utility companies are based on their existing assets. But the beautiful thing about that is imagine a world where Calgarians are powering Calgary. I don't think that's a bad thing, but the issue that that creates is that these companies and you know Nmax, whoever they are, that have provided really good, long, stable jobs. I know one of our friends at Nmax, uh, Terry Lynn, just celebrated 15 years. That's a long time to be at one place and be happy. So these places are providing good jobs. <laughs> I love how you said "be happy" at the end of that because that's critical. Yeah, totally. But it might it might sound like a sentence, a prison sentence, if it, if you weren't happy at the <laughs> no, end. No, totally. I mean, it's a long time, right, to be in one spot, yeah. but. That that now it is at risk potentially potentially and, the, and, yeah, the and if I'm a shareholder or I'm a, or I'm a board member of one of those organizations yeah. that beautiful statement which is idealistic might not be back to follow the money kind of theme right totally now luckily enough a lot of the a lot of the utility companies in Alberta are adapting and they're shifting towards and they're like how do we how do we how do we make sure that you know we're providing providing the goal of what it is that we set out to do. And their goal is to be able to provide end users with affordable electricity and reliable electricity. So how do we go about doing that? So their minds are in the right place. Um, but then there's the other side of the coin, which uh, which Kai knows quite well in terms of the, the mechanisms of what actually happens at the home at the grid connection point. Yeah, so when it comes to the, the grid side, I think a big part of currently the electrical infrastructure is that they've put the money in, so they've built the connection points, they've built the transformers, they've built the lines, and being able to transport that electricity. So one of the interesting things about solar is when you're not at home and you're producing power, you're most likely, on average, feeding the house beside you and even the house beside that. So you're actually looking at not just feeding your own house, you're distributing that power. So you actually become almost a generator for your neighbors um, to go clean power because it, it takes the least path of resistance. So when you see the energy companies is that they know that they've put in the money for this infrastructure and that's why they limit you as well as they don't want you to be utilizing that at, I guess, at their expense. So it kind of ties on to what Gersh is saying. It's, it's they see it, the writing on the wall, but it's how do they actually, how do they participate in it and how do they be a really crucial part of the transition and everything coming online and the speed that this stuff is coming online. That's so interesting. It's like, it's like using the road that we all pay taxes on to go to my neighbor's house and the city doesn't get a piece of it except I've already kind of prepaid. And this isn't interesting. Like, and I, I know it's, I don't want to sound silly with it, but this isn't bouncing up to a server somewhere and then coming back. It's literally going to your neighbor's house. Cause like you said, it's like water. It's more the path of least resistance. It doesn't have to ricochet back, go through their metering system and then get charged. You know, that kind of a literal way to think about it. When you're on the phone with your buddy, you're like, Hey, where, you know what? I can't believe this technology isn't working. We're just across the street. But me Meanwhile, the signal's ricocheting off the other side of the world and coming back. But with power, it is literally right there or right there. Yeah, exactly. uh, so simple to break it down that way. And they not, they, they got, you think they could take a little piece of the action and still be okay with it. But anyways, now I'm going down. Now I'm, now I'm like, like mm, what is the, what's the business here? 
But that's really interesting. So Kai, talking about more from the technical side, I've had a lot of people on, I've had a few guests I've chatted with, and it's not a conversation I, I, I have had a lot of technical, but our grid, our grid is old. Our grid is failing. There's concerns in our province. There's concerns around the world uh, from a Canadian perspective. So does this tie into this part of the conversation of also, not only have we invested, this is a grid from the 40s or from the 50s and 60s that maybe isn't even set up to do all these things that we're trying to make. Yeah, it 100%. Um, one of the big things that we've seen in other jurisdictions or fast growing areas and we actually deal with this in rural areas here as well is that their transformer sizing just can't take that much power so depending on the house and what that house uses over the course of the year when we go to size the system you look at the course of the energy in a year not in that exact time frame of like a day so a lot of times is you can't actually put a system big enough depending on how much energy they use because of the transformer and the infrastructure that's in place so the big part there is who pays for that, right? Who comes, who at the end of the day is the one that takes that transformer, upgrades it and gets fees on it? Or is it an aspect where, hey, the grid actually doesn't need to be upgraded and we need to focus more on microgrids rather than big scale where you're talking like the, the big transmission lines that go between municipalities and that are kind of run on the big areas. So it really comes down to, it's a really interesting aspect of when do we need to do upgrades and where and then also how and in what areas so a lot of grid studies are done on this on which areas are the ones where this is going to be a big concern and then how do they address it and how do they play market private um, and public sector right so it it's a bit of a chicken or the egg um, i would almost say is really where does it where does the money go and a lot of different stakeholders if you, if you talk to five people in that group, they'd all say, no, we should go in this direction. You talk to the next person, very convincingly, they would want to go okay, in that direction. Yeah. All right, I'm going, to put on my, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here for a second. What if I wanted to go off grid? I'm out in rural Alberta. I'm like, you know what? I don't want anybody listening, and I want to do... <laughs> I don't know that. It's a tinfoil hat. Is that still a thing? I think, I think it is. Um, I think we all know tinfoil hat people. I want to go off the grid, and you know what? I know I'm going to have extra power, so I'm going to put in X amount of... Maybe, these, maybe in the last few days, but I'm going to put in some crypto mining. I'm going to mine Bitcoin, which right now isn't as lucrative as it was you know, six months ago. But I'm going to use up my extra power talk to me about that conversation and this is just more for the fun of it to, to like what would that look like and I know you guys talked about also battery storage of I know I'm going to be needing power at two in the morning uh, that I can collect that I don't need at two in the afternoon and battery technology like if we were to drop us out in the middle of nowhere what would that kind of look like and how realistic is is that as a as a project or a goal yeah, have you just out of curiosity teller have you heard of car to grid has that term cost I have actually yeah yes. so that yeah. that's the key here so there's two different there's two different scenarios that exist. One is you get solar and you install a battery system in your house, like a power wall or something along those lines, a physical yep. device that yep. can't go anywhere that's always there for you. The other alternative, my, na- my neighbor, my, 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 you know my neighbor, and he has one, so yeah. I know exactly what it looks like and the whole scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'm very familiar. You know, with most of my education around this comes from uh, Ed. Well, yeah, Ed's, Ed's got it. Ed has the setup. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He has yes, the setup, and his yes, he does. His 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 design actually has consideration for this, depending on what um, our friend Elon at Tesla does here. But when we're taking a look at scenario number two, is that's the car to grid scenario, in which you don't have a physical device in your home. 
you have a physical device that happens to just go wherever you are so more than likely that thing is going to be at home as well too and what i'm talking about is a car so the car to grid technology is basically that tinfoil hat perfect world where you have solar <laughs> you have your solar on your rooftop um you know you come home one day it's cooking hot outside all of a sudden your neighborhood goes down but it doesn't matter it's because your you know your ford lightning or your tesla model s or whatever electric vehicle it ha it is is plugged into your house and then all of a sudden you don't even notice that you have a blackout until your neighbor comes in knocks on your door and they're like hey what the heck the power is out and it's like we're well, not on my house i have a tesla and i have a solar uh, system that's charging my tesla and my tesla is able to feed back into my house and power power it potentially if you if your system is designed correctly we're talking five days with solar it could go for like two weeks you don't have an issue anymore oh, wow. and okay. wow. the, the big thing here <coughs> is to move a car is not an easy feat we get in a vehicle it seems like it's, an, it's effortless right especially with the kind of power that vehicles have today it's a hell of a lot of energy of the tesla a tesla vehicle on average is has a battery system in it that's six to eight times bigger than what the power wall is so we're talking about mega amounts of power here so that's what okay. that future looks like is you'll have that vehicle ready to go but there's one other layer to this it's not just about the tin foil side of things it's about the money side of things in places across europe primarily in the united kingdom right now this car to grid is getting pushed to the next level where uh, you can basically be in a public charging or in a public place you could be grabbing coffee or going to the malls and go to shopping and you can get a text message on your phone from the charging station that you plugged into and said hey uh, we're experiencing higher than average usage in the area are you comfortable with giving us 10% of your battery will pay you this much per kilowatt hour for your energy. So that's that's oh, that's so already happening. That's, so that's awesome. already happening. That's so awesome. And we're going to see that here soon and, enough. And, uh, on your phone, you're getting the uh, you're getting the notification and you just hit yes or no. Yeah, you like, say, "Oh, yeah, sure, I'll get some energy." Oh, why not? So interesting. A friend of mine actually I just was had lunch with him is building a house in Mount Royal and he's got the he's got the Tesla, he's got the two batteries and he was chatting about that. He's like, you know, I'm going to be self-sufficient, but the future of supporting my neighbors and what if they're like the the, the mini grid or the micro grid approach versus being part of this bigger network. And it was, you know, it just sounded so the way he explained it, it was like, oh yeah, obviously like that's, it just seems so obvious, even though it is still on the, what, what, you know, which is great. Once, once something becomes normalized or, you know, the pockets of normalization. Yeah. I mean, it's in our national it's, anthem, right? Strong and free. Like the, <laughs> no one has ever worked that into the show well done <laughs> well done um so where do you guys so obviously one one million home how many homes have you done now if it's one million homes by 2040 where, where are we at what's the number we're, count we're right around is there a graph on your wall somewhere is there you guys have like the, the the gong with the chart beside of how many homes there's a ticker there's a ticker on our website but our uh our marketing manager's away this week but i think we're we're right about to eclipse a thousand homes Nice. And that's over what period of time? And is it accelerating? Yeah. It's ex Are you guys really seeing? Okay. Yeah. So this is the crazy where this is the crazy place that solar is in right now. So that's over the last seven years. To give you a frame of reference, the first two years that we started the business, we installed two systems. So it was an it was a gnarly grind of Kai and I climbing in attics, pulling wires just to be able to keep the lights on in the office and then installing one system in the year and that being a victory. Now, now the frame of reference that we'll provide here is this year alone, we're going to do 750. Oh, amazing. Okay, great. So that's an exponentially. And is there a, is there a buyer? Is this a more affluent individual or is this people, is this like, and again, residential commercial, you said specifically home. So obviously do you guys focus primarily on residential installation? Yeah, there's a reason for that. And I'll let, I'll let Kai touch on that because he's the one that I'll give, I'll give hats off to him. He's the one that, uh, you know, point to the gun in the right direction and, you know, got everybody behind it to pull the trigger. 
As, as long as the gun's not loaded, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> of course, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. Strictly for show. Strictly for strictly. It's a matter. It's a matter. Yeah, no. So uh, a big part of the residential side is processes being able to help with the carbon reduction impact of Canada and the world. So one of the things that we looked at is how does our processes scale, or how do they scale? And one of the big things with within Zeno is being able to expand and go into different areas and be able to really make impacts in all areas of North America. Um, so when, when we looked at the residential side, it was commercial. We've done a lot of commercial. We've done some cool projects, U of C, U of A, um, Red City of Red Deer, some really cool CBE ones as well. Um, and we realized that we can make a bigger impact locally by going to the end user. And the reason for that is if you have a roof, you pretty much have access to solar. Sure, there's a few percentage of homes that really don't have good access depending on trees and things like that. But at the end of the day, homeowners all have access to solar and they can make that impact directly while saving money um, and helping the environment and bringing us to our, our goals of emissions reductions by 2030 and then 2050. So that was kind of the driving force is that we can scale it. There's processes that we can put in play. We can do the full scope of the work. Um, and then we're able to make the impact that we want to make rather than kind of doing one-off projects with commercial clients where they're really looking at it as it's a cost reduction or it's something they have to do for their mandates when it's ESG or, or SDG or whatever it might be. Yep. Um, so that, that was our main reason is being able to drive simplicity and being able to scale um, as a company. I, I, I appreciate that. And the, the business case behind the purpose and, you know, okay, if this is our purpose, what's the best way to drive yeah, exactly. to that? You mentioned, obviously, you guys are based in, you're based in Alberta. We have a lot of sun here. This is a sunny place to live. Vancouver, maybe not so much. I grew up out east in Montreal where, look, we had rainy weeks, you know, four or five days. Are we also really, really very well situated as a province just because of our access to how many days it's sunny here? Yeah, so we can, we can kind of hit this one together here, Gert. So, yeah, um, when it comes to sun, uh, we're the fifth sunniest place in North America. So the access here, especially Calgary and South, is, is just unreal. You're getting a really good ratio of kilowatts per kilowatt installed um, and per square foot installed. So the nice mm -hmm. thing about the power here is you can have south-facing, which is a full-day spectrum of power, or you can have east and west and get that really that morning and that evening sun. So overall, your, your access to solar here is unreal, and that's across the whole province, kind of, again, Edmonton all the way down. You're, yeah, you're not having any problems when it comes to, to access and being able to get an over-ratio over of what you're installing compared to like a Europe where Germany is, I think it's 0.8 of, um, of a ratio, so way higher than that. We're like 1.2. So, so we're in, we're in a we're in a, a sun rich environment, which again we all know we live here, but it it only makes sense. I have solar thermal on my house, and it's amazing the cost reductions I've seen just from moving from a conventional house to a, a bigger house that actually costs less to heat, because if it's sunny out, that unit is collecting heat, storing it, and then heating the house. It's only heat; it doesn't do it's not electricity, yeah. obviously, but. It was, I think, an oh, back in 07, 08. So I think it was almost a little ahead of its term for Calgary back back then. But it's not something I would have built. But now that I have it, I would never live without some version of solar because it just makes sense. But I remember walking to the mechanical room the first time going, whoa, what is going on here? It's very foreign. But my, I, my home inspector at the time, I give her credit. She said, you know what? 
you might not be comfortable, but that doesn't mean it's complicated. So you get okay with it. And it was a really, it kind of pushed me, you know, because there was that easy, like, I don't understand. So you pull away. It's classic human behavior. Oh, I, I feel dumb. I don't know. I'm going to not, I'm going to avoid it versus leaning in, which is what you should do. Uh, but now that I've had it, but for so many people, I, the more we talk about it, even while I was excited to get you guys on the show to try to normalize it. And it's not like, oh, my weird neighbor who put solar on his roof, like back, back to the tinfoil hat conversation. I'm going to leave the tinfoil hat thing alone. I've milked that, I've milked that joke enough. So if I think about, your customer base or you to go from the thousand homes right now to the million homes is there also a reality right now is this typically a more affluent customer or somebody who's a little bit more building the bigger house or they like there's some clearly some some beautiful and large homes that i'm seeing on your website is that a factor right now that it's slowly getting normalizing and it's going to be more accessible or is that just my perception from the outside that's that's a really good question and the reality is um more than ever before we've seen a major shift in our average system size so there used to be a time where the average system size was like 10 kilowatts and then it's eight kilowatts and then it's it's getting closer to six kilowatts. What that means is that the it's a really good indicator that an average home is going forward with solar more than anything else that we've seen before. And where that's being driven by is the federal government came up with a program, uh, I think it was about last year, and called the Greener Homes Grant. That gives up to $5,000 off on a solar PV system. And some municipalities in Alberta also offer an additional incentive on top of that. It wasn't necessarily needed, like the parity was already there. When we're talking about solar panels, they last, they last upwards of 40 years, they're warranted for 25 years. Um, and like so when I say warranted for 25 years, the manufacturers are guaranteeing how much energy these systems can produce. So they're basically saying, hey, if you're installing this system and this is how much energy it's supposed to generate, we're gonna back that. We're gonna guarantee that investment. That for, tw- for, for at least 25 years. At least 25 years, years. Okay, and wow, some, some manufacturers okay. 30 years. So when you, when you start looking at that equation um, and people mm-hmm. start looking at this, you are left with a choice. The choice that you're left with is I know this is how much my electricity bill is today. I'm going to multi- I'm going to multiply that by 25 years. I know the solar is going to cost this much and I know what that 25 years worth of saving is going to be. You subtract the difference and then you have your ratio in terms of your let's let's use internal rate of return. In t- the average yeah. internal rate of returns that we're seeing are anywhere between 9 to 13% on solar based in Alberta with the way that our grid is currently set up and the ability to sell energy back and make make not necessarily an income, but an offset for your home with with the ability to sell that energy. Ultimately, looking at this as an offset situation, not an income situation. Yet, anyways, like in the current world we're in, this is about offsetting your costs while also reducing your footprint. Ultimately, well, it really, you know what the funny thing is, Tyler. Like, it really comes down to who wants to play in this game. Like, if we really want to see utility companies really get behind this, let's do what they did in Sweden. In Sweden, um, solar was offered through IKEA, and they didn't call it solar for your home. They called it solar business for your home. That's the translation from Swedish to English. So it's like, hey, let's, let's empower these people that live here, take some of the burden off from the maintenance of the grid, and all start working together to be able to push this thing forward. And that also even comes from an energy perspective at a higher level is that solar is not here to take over. It's here to just to join the party of what we've done as a province and even as a nation. That's a really good quality of life for all the people that live here. So interesting. Well, and I don't want to, again, free market versus socialist leanings and like some kind of just like political beliefs and structures in different countries. Like what role do you see government playing here kind of enforcing something versus like right now it feels like very much your model is based on me, I, the individual homeowner makes a decision for the reasons that I make it based on my own business case and my own sophistication and my ability to calculate and work with you guys to understand and, and, inv- and make the investment initially for the longer term is on me where what you talked about 
in Sweden, that was a very different shift. That was much more of an us, not a me conversation. Where do you guys see, or, you know, now, now we're getting out our crystal balls and we're kind of forecasting and kind of putting what we think the future, is this the government getting in and playing in that? Is this private and industry like the NMAXs of the world coming together? Like, how do you guys see this shifting from the, the, where we've kind of created, like we're, we're existing in a balance now. What's going to change that five years from now from your thoughts? I, I suppose, you know, being a young individual, like I, I didn't, I didn't grow up here. Neither did Kai. Kai's, Kai's from Germany. He came here when he was young. I'm from England. I came here when I was young. And we come from like culturally diverse backgrounds. And the interesting thing is in Canada, it's pretty simple. You have two governments that tend to win on a regular basis. One spends like crazy and the other one makes sure that the spending is done correctly. It's as simple as that. There's no other, there's no complexity. <laughs> I, I, I feel you're leaning a yeah. certain direction with your answer, but that's yeah, okay. I'm with you. I, I wouldn't. Uh, there's no major complexity. I feel we, I feel we may share views, yeah, but this is totally. not a political podcast. And, okay. and it isn't by any means. And what it, what, it, what it means by that is that I support, <laughs> and as a company, we support everybody's opinion. And every single perspective matters because it gives us a total a better picture like if you have one perspective you have a flat perspective but if you have all perspectives you have a, you have a, a more of a three-dimensional thing and the earth is round right so we got to be able to make sure that we keep we keep that shape as honest as possible and that's where this whole conversation comes into play when you're living in society you're agreeing to play by the rules if you don't want to live in society you know go car to grid have solar go live in a farm and do your thing all the power to you that's a beautiful lifestyle it's ideal like i wouldn't mind it myself but at the same time if we're choosing to live in society, the best marketing powerhouse that we have is the government. Their function is to be able to say, hey, you're giving us a bunch of money. This is how we're going to spend it. And we're going to release a piece of news to let you know that this is what we're doing with it. So realistically, in a country like ours, as much as we don't want to admit it, the government has to be a part of that conversation. But the government could always do a better job listening. So maybe they could have some... Uh, you know, some young talent come in or some more experienced talent that has a better diverse, a better diverse background and start taking a look at how do we get the voices more equal? How do we make sure that everybody's being heard on, on all sides of the equation? Not, not necessarily looking at it from a fence perspective that there's two sides. It needs to be from every single aspect and then we can work together. Now, if we look at it, and this, this is where the nerd side comes in, if we look at this from like a galactic perspective, the, the only way that humans will get to a class one species is by harnessing the power of the sun, which is the best nuclear device we have in in our galaxy mm -hmm. and the only way to really capture the sun's energy is by using solar so it's the antithesis of the energy that we have available to us or nuclear fission or fusion could be potentially so you have all these different layers from like what the future the far future like generations outlooks like what they're going to be using versus what we have to do today and i, I think going back to your question there i think government has to be a part of that um, they just need to, you know, maybe listen a little bit better and a little bit closer to make sure that everybody's represented and we're not, we're not strapping to a rocket ship and pointing in a direction that doesn't agree well with everyone. <laughs> I don't envy their job. I'll just say that as a, as, as a caveat. No, me neither. From yeah. Perspective of, and technology on every front is moving so quickly uh, from cybersecurity to like er everything that we have to deal with, but energy abundance. And I've had a few guests on the show talking about, you know, how careful we need to be with how we're, you know, sometimes restricting even our traditional or conventional fossil fuel world. Like there's parts of the world where like we're so lucky that we have access to the energy the way we do. And there's so much of the world that does not. And we sit on our high horse going, oh, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. Meanwhile, there's somebody just trying to 
keep their food cool or, or cook, uh, you know, on a, on a stovetop versus, versus an open fire because they don't have access to power. And we, we are speaking from a very privileged position. I think it's just always good to remember, remember that we're so lucky. I turn on the light switch and it works Yeah, 99.9% .9 of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and the average me doesn't care where it comes from until conversations like this. And it gives you an opportunity to actually think about where it comes from. And that's, it's a pretty cool opportunity we even have to have this higher order conversation, I would say. <laughs> if we're going to get a little philosophical here, this is opening up a whole new totally. world of conversation today. Yeah. And, and kind of what you're leaning towards, if, we in our industry how we how we summarize that into statement is the right to pollute these developing nations don't did not have the opportunity to pollute but we did canada did the u.s did all the major industrial yeah, companies. that's a tricky one so, that's a that's an interesting yeah, but you're absolutely so right. let's give and now who are we to hold them back from their evolution totally but we by our by our arrived totally. state <laughs> and you know we can't let them pollute let's install solar Let's install solar here. Let them do what they need to do, and show them that you that as as an industry, in an, as in society, we polluted, but then we cleaned ourselves up. If we don't do that, they're going to pollute. We learned, and, here, and they're here, not. Here's our learning, and they won't stop. So we we need to do this to be able to continue being the leaders that we are as a nation on this planet Earth. Well, being that trusted friend who gives you the advice to go, hey, you know, it's like that. We've all have older mentors in business. I certainly do. I'm assuming you guys haven't built your business without that. My buddy always said, he goes, if I can have a conversation with someone and avoid stepping on that landmine that they already stepped on, why wouldn't I do that? But then, you know, that it still requires those mentors or those leading nations who have kind of been through that gauntlet to then share that information and do it from a sense of abundance, not a sense of scarcity. That's a, yeah, now we're, now we're getting into the whole, back to intergalactic. And uh, since we're all cruising around on this big round spaceship, yeah, ideally round, I think it's round. <laughs> My tin oil, my oh, tin that's oil true. Friends, my hey, you know what? Maybe I mean, you said you 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 yeah. said around like it was just an agreed upon truth. I'm sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. It could it, it could be flat. Um, my my uh, yeah, probably not. I'm I'm okay to, to take that one on head on. I anytime. think it's round. I'm pretty sure it's round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you've flown in an airplane, have you looked? Yeah, no, it looks round. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, that's, whoa, we're really, I'm really pulling on the tinfoil hat. This is Friday morning, folks, if you're listening. So it's a long week. We're all just having some fun, having a good, a good old fashioned conversation. About it. So if I really want to sit down, I'm listening on this and I go, great, you guys, I love the philosophy. I love what you're chatting about, but what's the economic, like, is it, does someone like, I'm assuming it's as simple as a calculator right now. You have a savings calculator on the top right, right side of it. Yeah. Is it as easy now as just punching in? This is my house. This is, do I need to how much power I use or do I have to? To just look at my utility bill and just enter that like is, is that as easy as this formula is you know sadly not yet and the reason the reason being okay. we have because we're a d what it, the alberta is very unique we're we're deregulated and what that means is that the market kind of dictates what's happening here and because of that there's different agreed upon truths in relation to what you're seeing on your electricity bill. So if any single individual takes a look at an electricity bill, they'll see distribution fees, transmission fees, rate riders, act, uh, balancing pool, local access yeah. fee. Here's a kicker though. All of those are variable except for your administration fee. On average, a residential homeowner will pay like a $7 fee. That's the only actual thing that's fixed on your electricity bill bill everything else is in relation to how much energy you pull so hypothetically speaking if you pull oh, it's all part of a yeah yeah so we 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 basically we call that the avoided cost of going solar so that's the first mechanism is what's your avoided cost of going solar what does your home look like on average what is your transmission going to reduce to so on and so forth in alberta that's an average of anywhere from from six to eight cents so it's actually a pretty hefty portion of your bill and then you have the electricity rate that's on top of that which on average is anywhere from from eight to 
10, 12, we've seen as high as 12 cents. So that's so it's broken into two pieces. What is it costing you to get the electricity and then how much electricity are you using? Okay. All of that can be impacted by solar. And now there's two other mechanisms as well that we have to take into consideration, which is electricity cost escalation and inflation. Inflation, we're very conservative as a, as a company. We choose to take 50 year, 50 year historical, so we'll run like 1.92%. Reality is inflation is a heck of a lot higher, but we need to be realistic and look at the long term picture. The other side of the coin is uh, electricity cost escalation. We take 3.5% at the absolute maximum. Electricity cost escalation, 10 years, if you take a 10-year analysis of the numbers that are publicly available that the, the Alberta Utility Commissions provide in relation to the last few years, electricity has gone up 20%. In the last, so we, we choose to stay conservative on that. Now, if you take those variables, so let's go back, the delivery, the actual energy that you're using, inflation and escalation, then you're talking about a really interesting economic scenario where you take what are you paying for electricity versus what would solar end up saving you and you have to blend those across. And there's two financial functions here. The first one is return on investment. So if you were to have solar and you didn't have it compared to anything, how fast would it pay itself off? And that's on average right now with the rebates that are available. If you don't factor your municipal rebates, you're sitting anywhere between between eight to 10 years. Now, if you okay. if you take the cost of doing nothing versus the cost of going solar, so let's imagine you kept on paying an electricity bill and then you compared it to going solar, you're talking five years. You're talking four to seven, four or five, six years on average. If you start putting those side by side and what you can do, the financial term for that is uh, point of indifference or relative break even. So that's where that that's where it gets really interesting is that you are replacing something, not completely, but partially, and that has to be taken into consideration. And that's what really accelerates it. Then there's one more layer, like your neighbor, Ed. If you have an electric vehicle, now you're powering your transportation, and you're avoiding costs at the pump, your solar's free. Like there's nothing going on. Any, there's yeah, no, okay, there's no yeah, equation yeah. Like anymore. Because you've taken that extra step yeah. to really capitalize on the value. Totally, and then you're just then you're laughing at that point, right? Like it's you, you basically locked yourself in from every perspective. He does every time he drives by in his Tesla. He goes, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And and I, and I do apologize. There's a there's a fourth <laughs> layer, and this is unique to Alberta. If you go solar, though we don't necessarily recommend this, but it is an option that's available to you. You have the ability to sell your carbon offsets through a company like Zeno. So there's a, some of our kind, to be completely okay, fair with yeah. you, some of our clients are are purely financial in their decision-making process and they want to sell those carbon offsets. So once a year, you can say, this is how much energy I generated. Uh, this is this is equivalent to this many carbon offsets and then I can sell it to the market for this much. And right now, on average, the market is fixing prices for at least eight years. So it's a pretty good opportunity and everybody talks about carbon pricing and things of that nature. Um, solar is one of those things that's on the good side of the checklist. Right. And those are only things that are becoming more like these are only conversations that are in the fringes that are now becoming more mainstream. And, and like my house, when I walked into that mechanical room, it's not you know, it's it, you're not familiar with this. But if you break it down, it's not complicated. Like the way you broke it down, that's all a formula. And once you've got it and you know what blanks to fill in where, which is probably like doing your taxes, once you know what number to put where it's not as complicated. But when you're looking at it from the outside and as an unknown, it's kind of easy to just stick with what you know. But yeah. sooner or later, we're going to get pushed and it just becomes more normalized, right? There's always that critical point where people go, oh, I'm more comfortable enough. I'll lean in to figure it totally. out. Totally. And to be fair with you, Tyler, it cost us a lot of money to do this initially. And it's it, it literally, as, as a business owner, and I, I know Kai can allude to this as well, is it really made it put us in a difficult decision. And that difficult decision that we committed to is education. We believe in educating clientele. And there's other companies in our space as well, too, that do. And there's a cost associated with that. We fully staff 
um, what we have in Taos called sustainability specialists. And any person who reaches out to us for solar will get a full breakdown of what their financials look like and full transparency on how we did the calculation. That's something that we'll even share with our competition. If there's competitors out there listening to this show, reach out to us. We'll teach you how to do this because people need to know what the actual value of solar is and we need to do this for our planet. So if anybody wants to know, like that's we're happy to share that equation because I did just splurge it out uh, verbally, but we're happy to show that on paper as well too. I really appreciate that and your willingness to kind of share because you're not treating it as a secret sauce. You're, t- you're teaching it as something we should all know as, as, as actual common. common. Yeah, our secret sauce is Kai. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right, Mr. Secret Sauce. No, um, curious. And again, I could ask 20 questions, but the one that's popping into my mind is in Alberta, we certainly seem to be or we have been in this house flip tech uh, market of our mindset of like, oh, I'm going to live in this house for a couple of years. I'm going to flip it, make a profit. And, and, you know, and that's been a bit of a roller coaster. I've lived here 20 years and there's been the goods and the bads and the overnight real estate moguls. And then the same people got caught holding three houses in, in the downturn. But do you have that conversation or is this, maybe I'm not thinking about living in this in the long term. Maybe I'm not thinking of being in that house for even five years or 10 years. Does that drive or does that next buyer, are we getting to a point where, where me as the buyer now will look at this and go, actually, I'm looking for houses that have solar that's four or five years old because I know I'll make a bit of a savings, but I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that house, whatever that might be. I don't know the formula because I value that more. Like, are we at a place, do you see that coming up? And I know you guys aren't in real estate, but I'm assuming I, the conversation has to come up for sure. Yeah, I can, I can touch on that. And then Gersh can kind of have some experience with this as well. Um, ideally, individuals look at it as almost the granite countertop. There, we were starting to see individuals say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I expect the granite countertop, I expect the solar on the roof. And the reason for that is they see the benefit and they're the ones that are saying, well, it's already been done. It's made my life easier because I haven't had to have a construction company come in and do this for me. It's there. So the expectation, um, even when we're working with builders, we work with a lot of builders across Alberta and it's really making it a standard because people are asking for it. People are, yeah, they're looking at it as this is a regular thing and it shouldn't be like this I think when granite countertops were, were like you had to do an add-on for a home, it's it's now pretty standard or not always, but it becomes more standardized. Yeah, yeah. That's just, <clears throat> Went from being a luxury item to an exactly, expected. Exactly, 100%. That's the same thing with solar. And then the other nice thing about it is it increases the value of your home overall because, again, you're, if you're selling your home and your neighbor doesn't have solar and you do, you're giving that individual something more um, at the point of sale where they're not worried and you can pretty much show them, hey, here's a bill with reduced costs. Um, yeah. so overall it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge benefit for the homeowner. That's the seller and the buyer. And even in a market like today where individuals are flipping, there's obviously really crazy housing prices or increases. Sorry, we're still not crazy. Like Vancouver, Toronto, but at least we're increasing when it comes to. Yeah. In, in, in relevance, we're still an amazing place. And you're seeing like we work, we work with a large major Alberta yeah. homeowner, a home builder, I should say. And a lot of our leads are coming out of Toronto, people buying like sight unseen because to them it's high Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, you know, and, and I know if you're here, it's relevant to you, but compared to other markets, Calgary, yeah, I, I think the secret is also starting to get out. We're seeing a lot of that influx of people just selling their, you know, $500,000 condo for 1.5 million and moving to Calgary and buying an $800,000 home that, that, that they have seven rooms and, and, and a big backyard. Yeah, 100%. yeah, we've seen a lot of that personally. And yeah, and, so, and solar on the roof and solar on the roof. I said solar on the roof and an EV charger. Yeah. So, and that's the other part about it is <laughs> the individuals that are coming to Calgary, a lot of times, if they're coming from Vancouver and Toronto, there's building codes there that expect this. So maybe not on the solar side, but on the mm, EV side, 
they might be expecting this. So it almost makes it more attractive to that buyer because they're like, hey, you know what, let's just take BC, for example. I have an EV charger when I build a home. It's an expected portion of the building code. Now I expect that here. Um, so it, it really does just give you that advantage and that upper hand. There's really no downside when it comes to it because, yeah, you're, you're taking the benefits while you're living in it, and when you go to sell, you're able to sell it to the individual at a, at a marked-up rate, um, and you're able to kind of get that benefit back. So if I build a new home in BC today, there's an expectation if I'm the, if I'm the contractor that I need to, the same as I have to have X amount of plugs along the wall at certain spacings and heights, I need to have an EV charger. Mainly, yeah, when it comes to condos. Yeah. So they actually have to have new condo buildings, okay. have to have every parking stall um, accessible to EV charging. So just when you're talking about a lot of people from those areas are moving from condos to homes, um, and then they're like, hey, you know what, if we can do it in condos in BC, we should have it in a home in Alberta. Yeah, and there's some there's another layer here as well too. Let's our, our website is livezeno.com, and the reason why it's live is because this is a lifestyle, and the key word in that is life, right? If you talk about what solar and EV actually provides, is let's say for example, if you spend you know like 10, 15 minutes, you have to go out of your way and go to that gas pump, and you no longer have to do that. Over a 20 year period, you gain 15 days back in your life. So what would you do if you're old and you're like, I wish I had 15 more days. Damn, I should have gotten an EV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it's not like you're getting 15 days of time that you enjoyed. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like I went to the gas pump. Nobody yeah. enjoys it. It's like, it's like moving inner city and getting out of traffic. That, that, that hour is, 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 is much more than your, you know, not all hours are created equal. That hour not in traffic is worth way more to me than three hours. Yeah, yeah totally. And how about, how about that electricity bill that you get at the end of the month and then you, your evening is toast. You're like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I can't believe my bills are this much. That's gone too. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the life and the, the, the Zeno. Sounds very Zen, which I, I get the name. I'm getting, I'm getting the, I, I can see your brand guidelines and, the, and I can see, I can see how they pitched it and why you guys got to the Zen. Yeah, absolutely. So from a business perspective and from your guys, you've grown, you guys have been at it for a while. You, like you made the comment about in the attic pulling wires, which I really, I really appreciate that. And it's always easy to look where someone's, oh, it's so lucky you guys are where you're at. You're like, oh man, don't even go there. I've worked my ass off to be here. When you guys look at going forward and some of the things that we've talked a lot about the opportunity and the shift in mindset and everything as a business, and this is a business podcast. So I always want to talk about, you know, as you two co-CEOs, what are some of the challenges facing your business? Is it staffing? Is it access to technology? Is it transportation logistics? Is it marketing? Or is it just getting back to all the customers that are calling you? Like what's, what are the challenges you guys are facing right now just as a business as your, what you do is becoming more popular all the time. And that's a great, like, it's hard to influence where society is going, but if you can get on the road and get on the wave with them, that's a pretty powerful business uh, strategy. Yeah, that's a really good question. There's two points of failure in businesses one can you get to five years if you get if you get to five years the next one is can you handle the growth and that's the biggest thing that we're seeing now is we have an amazing team like an, an absolutely amazing team right now if you include the guys that are out there docking doors and educating people in the community it's over 80 people that are in, nice. in our wow. hemisphere as as an organization and that's going to continue growing so there's a lot of jobs getting created in this sector but Getting back, yeah, getting back to the point here is uh, we have uh, the, op the business is sitting there. There's so many people that are wanting the solution. And if you grow too fast and are, you know, you, you use the word frictionless. If that frictionless experience starts to green, 
create friction, then the solar industry could potentially get hurt by that. So we're not looking at this from the perspective of, hey, this is a business we need to make money. We're looking at this perspective like we have a climate goal. We have an obligation to our fellow humans, and we need to make sure that the quality of the work that we're doing is maintained throughout. So how do we do that while we scale? So it's not about, hey, is the business case viable? It's there. It's there. All who are interested in getting into this industry, please talk to us. We'll provide whatever intel we can to help you get on your feet. But the bigger piece here is, um, we're Canadian, we're a little bit isolated in relation to the states, and we get access to material second, we aren't prioritizing specific things. And in some cases, that uh, the Rocky Mountains or the long, never-ending plains coming from the east to us can create some difficulties when it comes to supply chain and things of that nature. And the big thing for us as an organization is we want to reduce our carbon footprint internally as well too. We have a pretty aggressive goal of be, being carbon neutral by 2027, which is one of the fastest ones in the industry, not even locally, just globally. And we know we can do it. But the biggest part of that is how do we do that while being in the middle of you know, northern the northern hemisphere in a random corner. Like, how do we actually reduce that? Yeah, we're not we're not building it here, so therefore it needs to get shipped here, and therefore that creates an that creates yeah, a, and we're just a simple logistics. Of yeah, it. we're good at making stuff. So if somebody out there has the itch to make solar panels in Alberta, it's the place to do it. We know the economics are there. We just don't have enough arms. Mine are already mine are already consumed with <laughs> with dinner, right? So. I don't have enough arms. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love it. Yeah. I appreciate the honesty around that and 80 people and having in your, in your atmosphere and your, is recruiting been a challenge? And again, how much is, if I get a job with you guys, if I'm looking, am I getting a job because I want to change the world? Or am I getting a job because I need to get paid and I don't mind putting panels on roofs? Like I'm always curious that the role purpose plays and, and never in the place of it still has to be a viable business, yeah. but employer branding, we could say that, but you guys have a real purpose and you're very clear and you're very passionate about it. And it's articulated through the way you talk and certainly your website. Has that been an advantage for you from a recruiting perspective or people coming on board because they believe in what you also believe in? Totally. And the funny thing is the, the greatest difficulty that any business faces is what you're culture the quote-unquote elusive culture right and what culture actually what culture actually is um and uh, i'll use uh, my my language here culture is a bullshit filter are you actually living and breathing what we want you to live and breathe and if what we're living if what we're living and breathing is something that you're willing to tolerate because being in a startup, we're not even a startup anymore, it's like a small business that's rapidly growing, is not an easy place to be. And you have to be able to align with the culture. So the funny thing is our culture, our interview, which um, includes a very strong culture mechanism, is that inherent bullshit filter that's built into that process. You can't get in unless you want to be here. And the people that are here are rewarded handsomely in a few different ways. One, um, we have a goal of being one of the highest paid employers in our sector. The second thing is we have an ESOP, so an employee share option plan, where Kai and I each gave up a portion of the company so that people could own part of the win. And then the third layer is the atmosphere is awesome. It's a lot of really amazing people that want to work here, that are happy to come to work. They're not stressed out about, you know, inner workings of the, you know, like politics that you see in a normal workplace. People, yeah, people, which destroys, which, which totally. becomes the culture, right? It's going to say it destroys yeah. culture. It becomes the culture. Yeah, and to be you, fair. You have a culture whether you like it or not. It's just how deliberate are you? About yeah, it? and to be fair, Kai's pretty cool, man. So like, I don't think many people don't mind hanging out with him. So he, he brings that to the table. <laughs> That's the word on the street. That's why I'm talking to you guys. So like, you know, so far it's all held up so far, legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. No, man. Hey, the, uh, sometimes the secret to life is just don't be yeah. an asshole. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sorry, we're going to be, if we're going to call us made a spade. Yeah, it's one of our... It seems like it would be not that hard but oh ah, i feel like sometimes totally. we've all had our moments we've all had our moments for totally, sure totally totally and i mean one of our core values is be kind 
and I know it seems like it's a ba- it's a basic thing, but sometimes it can get overlooked really quickly is that kindness is one of the things that we forget, but we should have at the forefront of the com- every conversation that we're having because you never know what else, you never know what somebody else is going through and they could be having a bad day and you just being nice to them may be able to get them in the bad direction because actually, let me, re- let me rephrase that. There's no such thing as a bad day. There's bad moments in a day. So you can choose to be able to steer that back in the right direction. Love what you said, and even just you know whether it's how we treat ourselves as business owners and the pressure you put under. Like, how do you create that safe space? How do you create the safe space for all the messiness that is to be human? And to you know whether you're leading a business and giving yourself that grace, but providing it for those people around you. Like I like what you said, it's just moments, and treating it like that, and not holding someone uh, hostage because they happen to have a bad moment, and I'm going to hold that over you, and that creates a real shitty culture. But a lot of times, it's are you looking to catch somebody doing something right or catch somebody doing something wrong? And man, that can really drive how everybody treats each other. And yeah, we're getting really feel. Philosophical. We're, good. we're getting all soft and kind of at the end, but that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's humans having a messy human experience, and that's okay. Well, let's, let's, let's lean right into that. Zeno itself is ironically a philosopher, and that's where the name came from. So Zeno, Zeno was a philosopher, and his, his actual title is Zeno of Sidium, and he's the founder of Stoicism. And one of the things that we found from our clientele ah, is that people who live in Canada that go solar are generally Stoics. They're, they've agreed that hey this is a, this is good for my community this is good for my family this is this is good for my lifestyle i'm going to make the decision to put money on the line to make the world a better place which is inherently a stoic decision so that's where the, that name is partially from uh zen is you touched on that zen piece that's a that's a factor as well too but mm-hmm. i think i think we're we're inherently philosoph- philosophical because we see a bright future that is full of abundance, full of amazing jobs and opportunities, and full of things that people want to be a part of. So it's not—it's hard not to be philosophical when you know the future is bright. <laughs> Boom, mic drop moment. <laughs> Gentlemen, that was a fantastic conversation. I appreciate it. We went right from philosophy down into the numbers, and we geeked out a little bit. And I love what you guys are doing. I met you guys years ago and was excited and, and enjoyed it to see the journey that you've been on and, and the name change and understanding why and kind of what it means and how much you guys both seem to be living your truth. Which, you know, to look at a business owner and to say that to me, that's one of the highest compliments you can give someone. And to, you're living your truth. You're living in your genius and all the things that that shows up, which makes it look very effortless from the outside. Even though I know that underneath you guys are spinning a hundred mile or a thousand mile an hour probably to get this thing to where you want it to go. Uh, live, LiveZeno.com. You guys have a great website. It's beautiful. It's really well done. Please go check it out. What if somebody wants to reach out? You, you've, you put out the offer. If they want to get a hold of either of you, what's the best way? Is it phone? Is it email? Is it LinkedIn? What's your smoke signal? Carrier pigeon? Yeah, there's different layers to this. I suppose um, if you want to, if you're interested in our solutions and want to be able to get access to them, it's info, info at livezeno.com. So L I V E Z E N O.com, info at livezeno.com. You can also call our phone number as well, too, um, which is found on the website. I suppose that's the easiest place to go. Yeah, um, yeah, right, right. At the but mm-hmm. on the other side of the coin, if you want to talk to us, um, our philosophy is there's the only conversations you regret are the ones that you don't have. So reach out to us. <laughs> if you, if you're compelled, it and any given moment in this conversation reach out to us on linkedin either myself or kai um though we don't respond immediately linkedin is one of those things that it hits you maybe on a wednesday or thursday uh, don't look at it from that perspective look at it from the perspective that we will get back to you and we're always down to have a conversation regardless of where you are in the world we want to be able to help and provide insights and our time is is for that purpose is to be able to provide provide it to others who are looking to do what we're trying to be able to, trying to do as well 
Fantastic. Thank you, gentlemen. High fives to you both. That was a fantastic conversation and really good to reconnect with you guys again. I'm really, really excited and uh, congrats on the amazing work that you're doing. It's awesome. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, it was a great Robert. show. Yeah, thanks, Todd.